Hello. Hello. And, and welcome, welcome to our to another uh, episode. <laughs> another one. It's it's a day that we are calling second to last Canto Day. Yes, we are. Because that's I was the canto we're doing today. Into the string of my new headphones, which I just bought from the corner store, okay, instead so of the mic. Headphones because we realized <laughs> that our podcast requires headphones. God, I'm so jealous that corner stores are even a thing. Although yeah. I guess I actually went to a corner store type business today to drop off a package, and it Fun. was titillating. And then there were these kids that were, went by me on skateboards. And it was like the most exciting thing that's happened to me all week. Can you balance on a skateboard? I have never skateboarded in my life. Have you? Ever I mean, been... listeners, listen to me. What do I sound like? Do I sound like someone who's a skateboarder? <laughs> no. <laughs> Not to stereotype have myself. Have you ever tried to just stand on one though, like balance? No. On one? Wait, are they hard to balance on? What the yes. fuck? Yes. I don't who know how. Any... That? I don't know how anyone stands, let alone rides on them in traffic. I don't know how anyone even stands on them. Okay, my best friend used to longboard around campus. Wow. He was cool, and That's I was cool. nerd in college. <laughs> and I just, I'm even more impressed now with myself for being friends with a cool person. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, listeners, today we will be discussing Canto 33 of the Inferno. Yes. And this is not the last canto of the Inferno, because remember, the Inferno is actually 34 cantos. So confusing. Very confusing. Okay. Um, so what happened last time? Last time we had some ice skating with skulls. Yes. Last time we met a lot it was of... like fight. hockey, but instead of a puck, they get stuck in the ice. And what was their crime again? I don't know. Traitors. They were traitors. They were traitors. But didn't we... But what, what did we talk about? Did, did we talk about goldfish? No. We talked about ciabatta and how it was just invented, like, yesterday. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Elaine also made some focaccia. So Marco, our friend from Italy, if you are listening, she made your recipe and it created a bread. It's more like a bread stick. It's like a quarter of an inch thick. Anyway, I don't want to talk about it because it's okay, really sorry. sad. Sorry. Um, <laughs> No, it's fine. So, yeah, we're so remember everyone, we were in the lake of Cocytus, which is frozen. Mm -hmm. Right. And everybody in the last canto was a traitor, I think. Um, They were some were political traitors, but a lot of of people had also um, hadn't people like betrayed their kin and murder. Oh well. yeah, this is the first ring of Kaina, right? Yes. So, well, Kaina, yeah, Kaina is a lake, and then the, the the second part of the lake was called um, Antonius or Antonora. Sorry, after Antonor. There were these two guys who like are hugging each other, and their tears are getting frozen onto their own faces. But here's my question: Do they eat? Like, are they getting rehydrated? Like, how are they crying so much? Because when I I cry a lot, like, I'm not a pretty crier. I, like, snot all over myself. I turn really red. I basically look like Captain Haddock from the Tintin I think cartoons. you look beautiful when you cry. Elaine, you are too kind. But anyway, how are they getting enough? How are any of these people still alive? Like, I mean, are they? They're not. They're dead, right? Funny that oh, you mentioned... 
funny that you mentioned nourishment because that will be a key part of the next canto. Oh no, do I want, oh wait, there was a really gross thing that happened. Somewhere yeah. out on the ice, there was some person eating a head. And we don't know who is. Right? Who is yet. Mm-hmm. Oh, we don't know who it is? Well, we're, we're going to find out. Oh shit, that was so disgusting. So I should we not, find out? I was not, yeah, 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 okay. Do you want to start? Lifting his mouth from his horrendous meal, this oh, sinner God. first wiped off his messy lips and the hair remaining on the chewed-up skull. Then spoke. This is so gross. You want me to renew a grief so desperate that just the thought of it, much less the telling, grips my heart with pain. But if my words can be the seed to bear the fruit of infamy for this betrayer who feeds my hunger, then I shall speak in tears. Because remember that listeners that Dante had just asked him who he was. Oh, this yeah. Guy who's right. eating someone else's head. I do not know your name, nor, nor do I know how you have come down here. But Florentine, you surely seem to be to hear you speak. First, you should know I was Count Ugolino, and my neighbor here, a.k.a. the guy that he's eating. Eating? Oh, my God. Ruggieri, the archbishop. Now, I'll tell you why I'm so unneighborly. A.k.a. why I'm eating this guy's head. Wait, so who is Ugolino? Can we read the note? Yes. Okay, the note says, Ugolino della Gerardesca, the Count of Donoratico, Mm -hmm. belonged to a noble Tuscan family whose political affiliations were Ghibelline in 1275, he conspired with his son-in-law, Giovanni Visconti, to raise the Guelphs to power in Pisa. Although exiled for this subversive activity, Ugolino Visconti took over the Guelph government of the city. Three years later, he plotted with Archbishop Ruggieri degli Ubaldini to rid Pisa of the Visconti. Ruggieri, however, had other plans, and with the aid of the Ghibellines, he seized control of the city and imprisoned Ugolino, together with his sons and grandsons, in the Tower of Hunger. Oh, God. The two were evidently just at the boundary between Antonora and Tolomea, for Ugolino is being punished for betraying his country in Antonora, and Ruggieri for betraying his associate Ugolino in Tolomea. Okay, so Tolomea is like where you get punished if you betray like your teammates. We're gonna find out more. Okay, 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 okay. We shall see. Um, something to note about these lines um, is that. The the, the 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 canto has opened up with a lot of references to the mouth. So lifting his mouth from his meal, he's wiping off his messy lips, um, then he's speaking these words. So it kind of um, follows from the lines at the other at the end of Canto 32, you know, mm-hmm. where where Dante says, Oh, you who show with every bestial bite your hatred for the head you are devouring. Tell me your reason, I promise. And I promise if you're justified, once I know who you are, I'll repay your confidence in the world above unless my tongue dry up. So there's this um, continuation of uh, a sort of uh, braiding together of imagery of the mouth and then promises in words and confession, which I think is really beautiful. Um, Listeners, Elaine prepared for this canto. I did. Very well. Which I have done every time. Unlike some people, are you referring to me? I'm not allowed to prepare. No, I'm. I was saying unlike myself for the majority of the Inferno. Oh, having read it. Wait, once can again. I confirm? Is Ugolino naked? I need to know for my drawing. Um. Well, I think that he's in a lake, right? So. Right. His... How is he holding on to the head? Is his whole body 
submerged and therefore he's kind of like scrabbling at the head with his teeth um well it seems like these two souls so ugolino and um ruggieri so ugolino ugolino della gerardesca um so he's a lay person and then ruggieri was a clergyman it seems like they're together in a hole because in the last canto it says soon after leaving him i saw two souls frozen together oh, yeah. in a single hole you're right you're right so that one head used the other for a cap disgusting so that is so disgusting i think what happened is that ruggieri's body is turned upside down and then ugolino, ugolino is eating it like that or vice versa okay so it's not a decapitated head it's like his whole body oh wait you know what actually here's how i think it is i'm sorry listeners i'm gonna draw a little diagram okay so i think it's like this that person has two heads no it's two people all right what Okay, whatever. This is my drawing. Person A eating person B. That's disgusting. <laughs> okay. Uh, all right, whatever. Let's just keep reading. Whatever. Okay. Um, wait, one Why more. I am so unneighborly. Oh, sorry. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So one more other thing just to note is that um, the uh, Count Ugolino says his speech starts out, you want me to renew a grief so desperate that just the thought of it, much less the telling, grips my heart with pain. And so apparently this echoes the words with which Aeneas begins his account of the fall of Troy. Yes. Um, in book in, two of the Aeneid. Which I actually have here, which we could read if later if we want. Oh. Oh my god, that's... Wait, is it the same one I have? I don't know. I think it's a Fitzgerald. It. Yes, that's the one I have. Okay. Um, okay, why I'm so unneighborly. Okay, so the disgusting man continues. First, oh wait, yeah, yeah, we already did this part. Um, this much I surely do not have to tell you. Wait, no. That no, I'm no. trusting in him? Is that where we're going from? First you know, first you should okay, know. Okay, I'll just go back. First you should know, I was Count Ugolino, and my neighbor here, Ruggieri, the archbishop, now will tell you why I'm so unneighborly. And so hungry clearly that i trusting in him was put in prison through his evil machinations where i died this much i surely do not have to tell you what you could not have known however is the inhuman circumstances of my death now listen then decide if he has wronged me all right well through a narrow slit of window high in that mew which is called the tower of hunger after me and i'll not be the last to know that place I had watched moon after moon after moon go by, when finally I dreamed the evil dream which ripped away the veil that hid my future. Okay, I have to turn the page, but it didn't download. Okay. Vodafone is being slow. Okay, I dreamed of this one here as lord and huntsman, pursuing the wolf and the wolf cubs up the mountain, which blocks the sight of Luca from the Pisans. With skinny bitches, well-trained and obedient, he had out front as leaders of the pack Gualandi with Sismondi and Lanfranchi. A short run, and the father with his son seemed to grow tired, and then I thought I saw long fangs sunk deep into their sides, ripped open. When I awoke before the light of dawn, I heard my children sobbing in their sleep, 
You see, they too were there, asking for bread. If the thought of what my heart was telling me does not fill you with grief, how cruel you are. If you are not weeping now, do you ever weep? Do you want to okay, so. So he has this dream. He has this dream, but the dream. Well, let's just keep going and then we'll know what okay. the dream is about. And, and then they awoke. It was around the time they usually brought our food to us. But now each one of us was full of dread from dreaming. Then from below, I heard them driving nails into the dreadful tower's door. With that, I stared in silence at my flesh and blood. I did not weep. I turned to stone inside. They wept. And my little Anselmukio spoke. What is it, father? Why do you look that way? For them, I held my tears back, saying nothing, all of that day and then all of that night, until another sun shone on the world. A meager ray of sunlight found its way to the misery of our cell, and I could see myself reflected four times in their faces. I bit my hands in anguish, and my children, who thought that hunger made me bite my hands, were quick to draw up closer to me, saying, Oh, father, you would make us suffer less if you would feed on us. What the fuck? You were the one who gave us this sad flesh. Okay, it takes two to tango. You take it from us. Okay, what? Let's just keep going. What? Okay, I calmed myself to make them less unhappy. That day we sat in silence, and the next day, oh, pitiless earth, you should have swallowed us. The fourth day came. Sorry, you go. Okay, the fourth day came, and it was on that day my gado fell prostrate before my feet, crying, Why don't you help me? Why, my father? And there he died. Just as you see me here, I saw the other three fall one by one, as the fifth day and the sixth day passed. And I, by then gone blind, groped over their dead bodies. Though they were dead, two days I called their names. Their hun then hunger proved more powerful than grief. Okay, so he ate his own children. That is horrifying. Yeah, it's really sad. Oh my god. So if you'll notice, the dream prefigures what actually happened. Yeah. Because he has a dream that of this one here, of Ruggieri, who's the... Um, the Lord and Huntsman. The Lord and Huntsman, who's an, who was the Archbishop, mm -hmm. uh, who... Let's see, who helped um, plot with him to rid Pisa of the Visconti, um, but who later like was a traitor to the Guelphs and actually turned into a Ghibelline and seized control of the city, imprisoning him. So the Lord and Huntsman is is pursuing the wolf and the wolf is Ugolino and the wolf cubs are his kids. And up the mountain is like the tower. Holy shit. I know. Really, really kind of sad. So awful. Really awful. Okay, but like, is he being punished for like the moral wrong of eating his own children, or is it the moral wrong of eating human flesh? Because like he was in a kind of desperate situation, right? Like he was completely starving. I mean, this is like Donner Party all over, right? So apparently, Dante places both Ugolino and Ruggieri in Antonora because they are betrayers of their own party. They are not mm. in Ptolemaea which is where we'll get to later. Mm. Um, Cause that their is the party, like their political the party. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and, and I think what's um, 
interesting is that the the speech in the Aeneas where um, he talks about the fall of Troy, the allusion there kind of suggests the larger political context of Ugolino's tragedy. You know, his grief isn't just for his children dying, it's that he was betrayed politically, but he also kind of was a betrayer in the beginning. Mm. Right. So it's kind of, I guess it's kind of he's being blamed for eating his own children because he or like eating his own eating his own children, though, is relevant here because, first of all, his punishment is eating somebody else constantly. Mm -hmm. But then also like he's almost to blame for that also because um, he got himself into that prison for betraying people to begin with. So that's why he's in Kaina. Yes. So he's in Kaina, the frozen lake, because of his betrayal. But he's his specific punishment of eating another person's head is because he ate his kids as a result almost of his own betrayal. I don't actually think that he's in here for eating I don't think eating the kids is a sin because they were already dead. I think it's But then why would he be eating someone in hell? That's so random. Because of like his hunger for power or something like that. I don't know. I feel like, I feel like, I don't know. It seems related to me. I'm not saying he's being punished for that, but the manner in which he's punished doesn't seem like a coincidence. Mm. And other people have been hungry for power and haven't been like punished with eating something. If anything, they've been punished with hunger. Hmm. Okay. I see that. I see that. Um. I don't know. Yeah. It says in the note here, um, Ugolino is the classic model for the romantic view of Dante's damned as great souls sold and rising above the background of hell and the theological categories of sin. In Ugolino's case, the consuming desire for revenge was seen as the expression of the father's outrage at his children's suffering. But another interpretation is that his term dolore, grief or pain, is to be interpreted mm. exclusively in terms for the desire for revenge. Um, you could also think of him as cynically contrived so as to obscure his guilt and attract himself the pathos of the children. So I guess, mm. yeah, it's open to interpretation mm. why he's why he's here. But um, I think it's really horrible. This So horrible. You know, imagine being trapped in a tower on your own. Like, um, The other thing yeah. is that Apparently, this canto makes a lot of references to the Sermon on the Mount. Um, well, there's the whole, like, rending of the veil thing, which is also a hugely, like, Christian thing. What's what's that? Where, like, Ugolino is, like, they rent the veil that, that like, was my own future, right? Where? Which line? Um, sorry. My physical book. Hmm... Um, uh, did I make this up? Um, sorry, it's hard for me to navigate this. But um, it's okay. Oh yeah, which ripped away the veil. Line twenty-seven, ripped away the veil that hid my future. Like the ripping of a veil. That's what happens when Christ dies. So mm-hmm. it's like there's like this like cataclysmically bad slash good thing, but like the ripping of the veil is like that's the sign to the romans that christ was actually christ oh i didn't know that i that that reference went totally past me um just what i was thinking about is that apparently so 
listeners, the Sermon on the Mount was one of, I guess, the first times that Jesus ministered or prophesied after he had been out of the desert and in and around Galilee. And it's famous because the Beatitudes are found in there. And the Beatitudes are a series of sayings about what you should do and what you shouldn't do. And they all start with a, a Latinate word that um, is, evokes goodness. So hence like the, I don't, I don't remember the root, but it's like Beati or something like that. And then it, be, and then it was anglicized into Beatitudes much later. But anyway, um, one of the similarities between the between Matthew five through seven, which is the Sermon on the Mount and this canto, is the metaphor of of a seed blossoming into and you know being planted in earth and then blossoming into a plant and finally having a fruit. Um, so in the Beatitudes, sorry, the lines I'm thinking about, Lucy, do you want to read that part again? Which I don't know which part. Uh, it is. Just from you want me to renew a grief. That's line four. Um, sure. Um, you want me to renew a grief so desperate that just the thought of it, much less the telling, rips my heart with pain. But if my words can be the seed to bear the fruit of infamy for this betrayer, which who feeds my hunger, then I shall speak in tears. Right. So Ugolina's words are the seed. I'm reading here from the note on 525 in the, um, mm. in the, in the Durling Martinez translation. Uh, the pilgrim's memory the earth, is the earth where it's planted. The text of lines four through seventy-five, the plant and infamy will be the fruit. So, in the um, Beatitudes, or in the introduction to the Sermon on the Mount, um, I just thought this was cool, so I thought I would read it. Sorry, I'm gonna just see. see. Um, in when it's talking about um, true and false prophets. Um, so Jesus warns people about false prophets and he says, watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. Mm. By their fruit, you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. And apparently this is also sort of an allusion to how Matt Ugolino could be thought of as the tree and his children could be thought of as the fruit. And then mm. a tree eating its own fruit. I mean, it's just really horrible cannibalistic metaphor. So I don't know very much context for the Sermon on the Mount, but I thought that was kind of beautiful. Mm. I mean, yeah. I always get this. Is the Sermon on the Mount when he also does the loaves and the fishes? Um, I have it right here. It's super food related. It is very food related. I don't. There is mention of hunger in here, but I don't. I don't know if it's where he does the fishes and the loaves. This is when mm. you do a, a Bible reading group, New Testament reading group. It's real. Okay. Um. Should we continue? Sure. Um, do you want to go? I lost my place again. <laughs> yes. Um, okay, so basically then he eats his kids. Yeah, ha, ha, ha. Ha, ha. Um, okay. He spoke these words, so Ugolino. Then, glaring down in rage, 
attacked again the wretched skull with his teeth, sharp as a dog's, and as fit for grinding bones. O oh, Pisa, blot of shame upon the people of that fair land where the sound of sea is heard. Since your neighbors hesitate to punish you, let Capraia and Gorgona move and join, damming up the river Arno at its mouth, and let every Pisan perish in its flood. For if Count Ugolino was accused of turning traitor, trading in your castles, you had no right to make his children suffer. Mm. Their newborn years, O oh, newborn Thebes, made them all innocents. Brigata, who is Ugolino's grandson, Uguicione, who is his fifth son, and all and the other two soft names my canto sings. So uh, we moved. So this is kind of the end of Dante's little speech about this. But um, thoughts? I'm just looking at the Beatitudes now. It seems like a couple of the other ones could be relevant too. Like, for example, blessed are they who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. So it's like this like totally perverse, um, like putting turning upside down of like what hunger means mm. where like Ugolino is hungering for like yeah so as you said like for hungering for power but also like the whole thing about blessed are the meek and inheriting the earth which they quote in the handmaid's tale just saying um this whole thing about like don't blame the kids for what their father did seems really mm -hmm. it's very touching yeah I don't if blame are they in paradiso me. then are the kids like what are the kids up to now Oh my know. god, it would be fun if Dante met them at a future date. Like, in Paradiso, like, Canto 20 or something, and he's just like, oh my god! I just saw your dad! And they're like, yeah, that horrible asshole who's, like, who ate us after we died, although they did beg him, so... Yeah. I know, it's really gross. Um, god. Sorry, there was one okay. other thing that I wanted to mention. Um... Sorry. Is he the only person who's punished like this? I guess Dante doesn't claim that this is like comprehensive, but well, yeah, I don't know if these I don't know if he's the only one who has to um punish this be punished this way, but I mean, he's certainly making him infamous for this for eternity. Mm. Um, oh, there, so there was two things I wanted to mention. So you remember the word, word mew, M-E-W? Yeah. That is not referencing the sound that a cat makes listeners. Rather, a mew, or an Italian muda, is a room for molting hawks, dark so as to keep them quiet, um, which I thought was just interesting. And I then apparently- This was an inaccuracy in Harry Potter that it's called the owlery. Okay, go totally. on. Irrelevant. And then apparently, after the deaths of Ugolino and his children, the tower became known as the Torre della Fame, Hunger Tower, and it was actually used as a prison until 1318. Oh, wow. Isn't that wild? Well, that's, I guess, what he means when he says, like, I am far from the last that will be here. Yeah. Right? Like, like surely Dante knew that, like, lots more people would be imprisoned. Yep. Yep. Reminds me of like the Tower of London. I kind of want to go on a tour of that. It's sort of perverse, but no, it would be interesting. It's just like so much stuff that's happened. Can I ask you a question about Thebes? 
I'm, st- I'm still yeah. we've already established that Thebes is my weak point when it comes to any kind of like mythological I'm like the seven there's so many against Thebes I know but but why does it say their newborn years made them all innocents oh newborn Thebes this is on line 88 um sorry let me just find it Hmm. I mean, my first guess would be, like, newborn, like, Thebes is cleansed by, like, the death of Oedipus. Oh. And, like, the death of the father can cleanse the children. That's, like, the first reference I think of. Hmm. Um, But it might have some other thing that I don't know. Does, do Darling and Martinez have an, uh... Anything about that? Um, yeah. Um, so apparently the Italian juxtaposes two different senses of the word novello, new or young. Pisa is a mm. new Thebes because its wickedness rivals that of Thebes, the most wicked city in antiquity. And it is a young Thebes in terms of the mythographic tradition that it identified that identified it as a Theban colony. Um, oh, interesting. I yeah. didn't realize that. Yeah. I just, I didn't know if, you know, there was some other. No, that's super interesting. For that. The other thing that's, I think, cool, kind of interesting about this is that since his children were, since they died when they were children, they were innocent. Like they hadn't had time to yeah. make to, to commit any big sins i guess what does he mean when he says the two soft names my canto sings does he just mean the ones he already said yeah because um, he talked about Rocco or yeah Anselmuccio. yeah right yeah i God, think so that's so sad isn't that just so sad so sad um, the other okay, thing i have to go in a we sec go. one last a sec. thing before we adjourn that I thought was Don't good. worry, listeners. This is not the end. We have to do the rest of the canto. I just have to go right now. We will spice it together. Um, is that... Do you see in lines... Um, lines 61 through 63, um, and then a little bit later, uh, Oh, Father, you would make us suffer less if you would feed us. You were the one who gave us this sad flesh. You take it from mm-hmm. us. And then a little li- later, Gatto says, Why don't you help me? Why, my father... That apparently it's very Jesus on the cross. It's very Jesus on the cross. These words echo Jesus's last words, as reported by Matthew and Mark. Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani? That is, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? So sad. Yeah, there's a lot of like the kids having to die to redeem the father shit that happens in this. Especially, I mean, that's where I feel like. Yes, Pisa might be the new Thebes, but like there's an, it's not just, it's not any, just any kind of wickedness that characterizes Thebes. It's specifically intergenerational, like parental wickedness. Like Oedipus is cursed because his father rapes Chrysippus. Mm. Like, and then Oedipus's children are cursed because he has sex with his mother without knowing it. Yeah. And like, they're their own nephews, mm. which is really just a weird thing to think about. But, yeah. um, yeah, it just seems really significant that Thebes isn't, it's not like wicked, like they murder people. It's like, no, it's like wicked in this really particular way. Right. That's echoed so many times during the canto. It's very intertextual in that way. So intertextual. Well, are we going to meet Jesus? Is Jesus like around? 
Okay, don't tell me. No spoilers. No spoilers, but listeners, we have now uh, met the last listen, the last sinner in Antonora. So in our next canto, we will go into the third division of the Lake of Cocytus. Wow. Wait, so the first, what was the first one? The first Sorry, one was... The first one was the Frozen Lake. Right? Frozen, but we're still in the frozen lake. The frozen lake is Kaina. Oh, sorry. The frozen lake is Kaina. So the and Antonora is a part of the frozen lake. I think Antonora is a part of the frozen lake. So okay. Um, now we're gonna enter the third part of this, the ninth circle. Wow! Can't wait. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. be back in a minute. Bye. Boop we're back test test the sound we're back listeners we had to take a break why did we have to take a break again because because i was cooking oh yeah something important my hunger overcame my grief that we could not finish the episode wow that was a reference that was a reference (laughs) it was a reference Uh, to the apparently ambiguous fate of ugolino's children which brings us right back into the action would you like to go yes We moved ahead to where the frozen water wraps in harsh wrinkles another sinful race, with faces not turned down but looking up. Here the weeping puts an end to weeping. What? And the grief that finds no outlet from the eyes turns inward to intensify the anguish. For the tears they first wept nodded in a cluster, and like a visor for them in crystal, filled all the hollow part around their eyes. Okay, that might be a fun Facebook Messenger filter for when you're chatting. To make a visor out of your own tears. Out of ice, yeah, out of your own tears. That could, you know, we should suggest that to um, the Palo Alto. Yeah, I'll contact my friends that work at, oh no, they don't work there anymore. That's good. They're doing social justice things now. Yes, listeners, we are are social justice promoters on this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, wait, so, like, what actually is happening here? They're, they're, so, they're, they're still in this frozen like, lake, but they're looking up, and then as they cry, the tears freeze, so it becomes this visor, I think, instead of looking down. That's really hard to draw. Okay, should I keep reading? Yeah, I'm going to try to draw this. Okay. Although the bitter coldness of the dark had driven all sensation from my face, as though it were not tender skin but callous, I thought I felt the air begin to blow. And I, what causes such a wind, my master? I thought no heat could reach into these depths. And he to me, before long you will be where your own eyes can answer for themselves, when they will see what keeps this wind in motion. And one of the wretches with the frozen crust screamed at us, Oh, wicked souls, so wicked that you have been assigned the ultimate post. Huh? Wait, I can't. The ultimate post? Oh, as in like the last circle of hell, like he thinks they're sinners. Mm. Right. Break off these hard veils covering my eyes and give relief. You didn't send me the rest of the pictures. This is okay. This is the last. Lucy, why <laughs> don't you entertain la- our listeners with a little ditty while I do that? Okay. Um, we're here in the. Oh wait, this is a good. Um, Let it go. 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 Let it go
let it go. It's like Elsa has gone. To, okay, if Elsa had not saved Anna with her love, would she Who's be Elsa? El- oh my God, Elaine! Haven't you seen Frozen? No, no, I, Elaine. Didn't. I don't want to see it. I just don't. Why not? It. It's because so good. It's a cartoon, and I don't like cartoons. Oh yeah, Elaine hates cartoons because she's a psycho. Um, <laughs> it's it is known that those who hate children's media also hate all life. So, wow, just wow. know that. Uh, okay, wow. but Elsa. Okay, so if you aren't gonna see it ever, can I just spoil it for you? Yeah. Oh yeah, please. Okay, so basically. It's like a Disney movie, so you think that the prince has to save the princess, but actually in the end, it's the sister princess who saves her sister princess with her true love of sisterhood. And the sister princess who's freezing to death, like, is saved by her sister's love. And, but if Elsa hadn't done that, would she, because she's also the one who caused the princess to freeze to death to begin with. So she would actually be sent to Kaina, which is where we are now. Interesting that she's an ice queen that ends up saving her sister but if she hadn't she would anyway just think that's cool and interesting and probably Dante commentators have not integrated Frozen and that relationship into their thought have we said our real names have we said our full names on this podcast we should never do that so no one can ever trace this (laughs) I've edited them out the one time that they did appear Okay. Listeners, okay. you will never find us. That's actually probably not true. Wait, are yeah, you, why? Okay. You think my idea about Frozen being integrated into Dante commentary is not erudite? I wow. think it's very... What a snob. Very... <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think it has something. There's something going on there, but... um. Ecola prima! Okay. Okay. All right. I just sent you the rest of Canto 34. The Canto okay, 34. great, great, great. I got okay. it. I got it. Sorry about the, the frozen interlude. We're frozen. Because I'm cheap and haven't gotten the book. Okay. Yeah, maybe I should send that to you like as a nice little gift. No, because I have my Durling one now. We're just not reading from it. We're reading from Musa. I, I kind of like the Musa. I don't know. Yeah, I like that it's it poetry. All right. Okay, okay, moving on. Okay. Um, okay. I answered him. This this person that I was talking to who has an ice visor of tears. Sinner. If this is what you want, tell me your name. And if I do not help you, may I be forced to drop beneath this ice? Okay, Dante, why would you promise that? I think like, he's actually doing it. I think what it, because remember what's below the ice is the last circle of hell, and then below that is actually Mount Purgatory. Because oh. because Dante's, so he's actually just, he's making- He's going to go there anyway. He's going to go there anyway. Right. And what's beneath the ice is actually paradise. Do you see what I'm saying? Because like in Dante's geography, what happened is that with the harrowing of hell or whatever, mm. basically, okay, I learned this in Giuseppe Mazzotta's lecture. Basically, mm. When the earth, like, I don't I don't remember what happens, but in the big fight between God and the angels, the hell becomes harrowed. And so all of, like, imagine that the earth is like this. There's this cone of hell that becomes displaced, but then the, that cone of land is actually pushed through the earth onto Mount Purgatory. And then on top of Mount right. Purgatory, on the other side of the world, is the Garden of Eden. So, like, right. where the, the hollow cavern that we're in of, the, yeah. uh, of Inferno is actually 
displaced into purgatorio so and it's directly below right. that's why he goes left all throughout hell you have to go down right to go up there you go which is kind of like what Virgil said at the beginning, right, in Canto 1, where he's like, you're going the wrong way, man. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. you can't just go up. You have to go down, and then you go up. Mm-hmm. Like in Pirates of the Caribbean number three, when they have to turn the ship upside down. Yeah. Okay. Has anyone written about that in an article for the LRB? Okay. I would pitch that. Dante you as should. Pirates of the Caribbean. This is the second time that Pirates has come up, so... It's such a good franchise. Like it's I've... so good. Well, okay, I haven't seen other than one, two, and three. Well, that's it. Oh, no, Have that's you seen? Is... No, there's five now. There's five. Yeah. Okay. There's the first, then there's the second and the third, which are the Davy Jones weird octopus man. Then there's the fourth. Okay, I've only seen compilation videos. It's about. But Keira it's where Knightley isn't in. Keira, Ni- Keira Knightley isn't in that. Though. So why she would she does make it? an appearance in the fifth one in the compilation video I've seen? Fifth <laughs> one. <laughs> <laughs> The fourth okay. one is Penelope Cruz plays um, Jack Sparrow's lover, and then in the fifth one, uh, Orlando Bloom and Karen Knightley's son like is hanging out with with Tom with what's his name Jack Sparrow. I was gonna say Tom Cruise. He's not even in it at all. With Johnny Depp. With Johnny Depp. Who plays the son? I don't know, but he was pretty cute. Huh. Huh. Okay, moving okay. on. So yeah, I don't think that this promise is like. It's basically saying like, oh, well, if you do this for me, then I'll do this for you. But you're already going to do that. So it doesn't yeah. really. Right. Yeah. But that person doesn't know that because he thinks they're dead. Mm-hmm. Also, just really quick note. Are the sinners getting worse over time at telling that Dante is still alive? Or potentially is Dante kind of dying a little bit the deeper he goes into mm-hmm. hell? And therefore, are they getting worse at perceiving that he's actually alive? Hmm. I th- I don't know. but. What I would say is that if you're this deep in hell, it's very, very, very unlikely that you're alive. So they just so maybe it's just a plausibility thing. Okay, that's fair. I I could I buy that. Okay. He answered then. I am Friar (laughs) Alberigo. I am you offered the fruit from okay from the evil orchard. Please, Lucy. Nobody should ever find this podcast. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I, am, I, I will make, I have no power over this, but if I could, I would make our SEO so bad that you would have to search I am Friar Alberigo. <laughs> I am he who offered fruit in order to find us. All right. I am Friar you your accents. Alberigo. I am he who offered fruit from the evil orchard. Mm, sounds kind of like Mushu. We all know. Here dates what? are served. Mushu the dragon in the garden because it wasn't actually a snake. Okay. Oh right. I forgot about that little fanfic of yours. <laughs> <laughs> I am Friar. Could you want to just read this part? No. No. You can already you? read it twice. I am Friar Alberigo. I am he who offered fruit from the evil orchard. Here dates are served me for the figs I gave. Okay, so the note says he's one of the jovial friars, but TBH, I forget who those are. Yeah, who Let are me those? look in the derling, snarling, snorpadorp. <laughs> See, another reason why no one should ever listen to this podcast. We've gone from offering our listeners prizes for listening to, like, begging them to stop. Also, shout out to Lucy's mom. Hi, Robin. Time to melt. No, you can't tell her name either. I'm sorry. Now I have to edit that out, too. Oh, no. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> 
shout out to Lucy's mom, who is unnamed, and my mom, who is also unnamed. They're unnamed because they're women, and they d- no. Okay. <laughs> what? <laughs> okay, jovial fires. Who okay. were they? Um, notes to Canto thirty-two, which we're we're in thirty-three now, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, 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 Deca, yeah. Deca. <laughs> okay, um, my dream, tearing their flanks, a small aperture, I don't, what? No, oh my god. I think oh, the Jovial Friars might have me. been a group of, um, monks who were actually, we definitely uh, had to look them up before. Political traitors. Oh, oh, here's a note, here's a note, okay. Alberigo. Alberigo, a leading member of the Manfredi di Faenza, a prominent Guelph family, was a frate godente, jovial friar. See the notes to okay, whatever. In let's just read what he actually did. In 1285, he invited to dinner several relatives from whom he had formerly been estranged in a dispute over land. At the end of the meal, his words "Vengan le frutta," let the fruits come, were the signal for the assassins who then murdered his relatives, including one who tried to hide under his cloak. Various phrases like the fruits of Friar Alberigo became proverbial soon after, as did Dante's fruits of the evil orchard, as if it were, if it was not already so when he wrote. Okay, interesting. Mm. This has a lot of parallels. I'm really on a roll with my pop culture references. Listeners, you will obviously be making the connection to the Red Wedding from Game of Thrones Season 3. Okay, Worst what? thing ever. But okay, okay can we also talk about this? Sorry, I'm just like running motorboat over this. Can we talk about the symbolism of the figs versus the dates? Because I remember reading somewhere, I don't know where, it's in the Derling Martinez edition. Mm. That like dates and figs have different, oh yeah, it's the next note. A date for every fig. We haven't gotten there yet. We should read the next. Yeah, we have. And then... oh, oh, dates are served. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah. Dates being more expensive than figs, the phrase means better than I gave. Uh, maintaining the fruit metaphor, Dante is making scornful play on the name alberigo as related to the word for tree, albero, and draws on the Sermon on the Mount again. Okay, yeah. Gather the grapes of thorns or figs of thistles. Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, and the evil tree bringeth forth evil fruit. Wherefore, by their fruits ye shall know them. Maybe we should read Sermon Very, on the Mount. like, fruits of... See, we would get that if we read the Gospels. Oh, we would? That's why we should do... Okay. Yeah. We're very just... We're, we're all just over all today. <laughs> um, I keep snorting. Oh, then. <laughs> I said, are you already dead? Okay, Dante, you know... Wait, what? How, how would you not know that there he's dead if you're meeting he's him in feigning, hell? But he's feigning it, remember? Because he's we're in the circle, circle of the traitors. The fraud. So Dante is also kind of being treacherous. Mm. Fraud. Oh, then, I said, are you already dead? And he, to me, just how my body is in the world above, I have no way of knowing. Oh, right, because they don't know the present. This zone of Ptolemea is very special. For it often happens that a soul falls here before the time that Atropos should send it. Okay. Wait, Atropos, like the 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 lady who like snips your Lothos, thread, Lachesis, and Atropos. And Atropos. Lothos spins the thread. Lachesis yeah. measures it, and Atropos cuts it. Listeners, these are the three fates or the moirae in Greek mythology. That's. Is she real? Like, isn't Jesus re- the my my? No, no, no. This is. Dance. I think this is just a figure of speech. Like, 
the zone of Ptolemaea is, is very it? special because people oftentimes <laughs> come here before they should actually have been killed. Mm. Like it, it marks, you know, uh, premature death. What is Ptolemaea though? Oh, Ptolemy. It's yeah. um, remember that other note. So basically we are yeah. now in the, we were in Antonora and now we're in Ptolemaea, which and there's some speculation about which Ptolemy it's referring yeah. to, right? Apparently, it could either be called Ptolemia after Ptolemy, the captain of Jericho, who had Simon, his father-in-law, and two of his sons killed while dining, which is in or one of these. the murderers of Pompey, right? Or, yeah, it could be named after Ptolemy the Twelfth, the Egyptian king Egypt. who, having wel welcomed Pompey to his realm, slew him. In Ptolemia are punished those who have betrayed their guests. Interesting, Interesting that, that's that, that that's, yeah, that that's worse than your political party. Totally. But um, the hospitality principle is very, very strong in the ancient world. And I think, I would argue, actually remains strong to this day. Mm -hmm. Hence the outrage over the Red Wedding in Game of Thrones Season 3. Anyway! Okay, moving okay. on. Um, uh, where were we? Um, yes. And that you may more willingly scrape off my cluster of glass tears, my visor. Let me tell you, whenever a soul betrays the way I did, a demon takes possession of the body, controlling its maneuvers from then on for all the years it has to live up there. While the soul, oh, this is awesome. This is so cool and horrible. While the soul falls straight into this cistern here and the shade in winter quarters just behind me may well have left his body up on earth. Oh my God. So it's, they're like zombies. That is so fucking crazy. According to church doctrine, under circum certain circumstances, a living person may, through acts of treachery, lose possession of his soul before he dies. Then on earth, a devil inhabits the body until its natural death. That's crazy. I never knew that. I never realized that there were... Is that Maybe? the... I think that is the first time in Dante we're encountering, like, somebody who we actually aren't sure if they died. Or, like... We're not sure if the, the maybe we should look up when Alberigo actually died. Well, that's why Alberigo he's Dante. that's why Dante says, "Oh, then are you already dead?" Because right, you thought he was just uh, like I thought. He, oh yeah! I, oh my God, he died in thirteen oh seven. So he meets his soul before he actually dies on Earth. Before he actually dies, which is such a crazy diss. Although I guess by the time he's writing them this, he is dead. But yeah. like it's an anachronistic. Oh my god! But this so is remember weird. that this is set in thirteen hundred. In thirteen hundred, and now I think we're almost to uh, Easter Sunday. I think we're on the yeah. Saturday before Easter Sunday. So, mm -hmm. wow, that's such a diss. Wow. What okay, do you think? Should we go on? And no. the shade in winter quarters just behind me may well have left his body. Oh, oh, the shade as in, uh, Alber Alberigo. Right. Okay. Uh yeah. Do Wait, no, no, no. Isn't Alberigo talking? Alberigo is talking. The oh, shade in winter quarters just behind me. So like, like maybe he's guy. just talking about some other random guy. Oh no, no, we're about to find out who he is on the next page. So maybe this random guy left his body up. So but he goes on. But you should know if you've just come from there, he is Ser Branca Doria, and many years have passed since he first joined us here, Icebound. Serbranca Doria, a prominent resident of Genoa, murdered his father-in-law, Michel Zanke, 
after having invited him to dine with him. So, Branca, like the amazing um, focaccia-making place in In Jericho, Oxford. So good. I'll think of this every time I go there now. Shout out! They did not sponsor this podcast, but they should have. We should write a pan to Branca. Um, I think you're telling me a lie, I said, Mm. for Branca Doria is not dead at all. He eats and drinks, he sleeps, and wears out clothes. Interesting that that's how you are figured to be alive. You, like, consume. Mm. Yeah, okay, and we could do an interesting clothes. close reading of that, but we don't have to. No, no, I think that's interesting. The ditch, the Malebranque watch above, he said, the ditch of clinging, boiling pitch had not yet caught the soul of Michel Zanke when Branca left a devil in his body to take his place, and so did his close kinsman, his accomplice in this act of treachery. But now at last, give me the hand you promised. Open my eyes. I did not open them. And uh, listeners, Elaine has a note next to this that says, Zing! I did not open them. To be mean to him was a generous reward. Wow, Dante has not been very sympathetic to the sinners in this circle. But isn't this kind of like, again, an example of like Dante taking on the characteristics of some of the sinners in the various things? Like, remember how in the thing about rage, he got really mad at that guy? And here he's lying to somebody, basically. Yeah, he's lying. But it's... but. It's not about him betraying a guest. So, yeah, yeah, I guess there's a little. Okay. I did not open them. To be mean to him was a generous reward. Oh, all you Genovese, you men estranged from every good, at home with every vice. Why can't the world be wiped clean of your race? For in company with Romagna's rankest soul, I found one of your men whose deeds were such that his soul bathes already in Cocytus but his body seems alive and walks among you. So let's, should we look up when Branca Doria died? Because Um, that could also be. Oh my God. So when Dante was writing, this guy died in 1325. So when Dante was writing the Divine Comedy, Branca Doria was still alive. Oh my God. Damn. Damn. Well, damned was his soul in hell. Like, wow. that's the biggest diss I think we have come across so far. Totally. But why wow. is why is his father-in-law the guy who he was, the guy who he murdered, why is he also in hell? The ditch of um, clean boiling pitch has not yet caught the soul of Michel Zanke. I guess his father-in-law was in Canto 22. Wait, I don't remember what he did. Michel Foucault? No. Um, (laughs) Okay, let's see. Digital Dante. Oh, my favorite website. Um, Let's see. Uh, The other Sardinian grafter. Oh, he's a grafter. Lord Michel Zanke of Logodoro. And his son-in-law is the traitor Branca Doria, whose soul is in the ninth circle. Mm, okay. Yeah. Okay. But, but, okay, let's, let me just read this because Frate Alberigo conjures the moment when Michel Zanke arrives at the fifth Bolgia, saying that Michel had not yet arrived, 
when the devil entered Branca's body. So basically, even though Michel Zanke was murdered by Branca Doria, he still went to hell and he's technically in the boiling pitch reserved for grafters. Back with Bad Booty and his accomplices. Bad Booty. They're the ones who are like doing the marshmallow um, roasting of sinners, right? Mm -hmm. Is that Mm -hmm. just my recollection? Okay. Something interesting... um... To mention here is that actually at the time that Dante is writing, Genoa is starting to, Florence was like the capitalistic hegemon of that area, according to Giovanni Arrighi, who's a Marxist mm. historian who I've been reading for my economic history class. But Genoa. Because Genoa, Elaine is in real school. Then Genoa displaced Florence as the center of economic life in, in like 1400s to early 1500s before the Dutch took over for them. But what the Genovese did that was made them so successful is that they essentially aligned themselves with really powerful Iberian rulers who provided them military protection when they went around trading. So the Genoese were kind of known as like being very, I don't know, money hungry. And like they they were going to align politically with hashtag Christopher Columbus, hashtag Christopher Columbus, and like the Spanish crown, I I guess. Well, that, that makes sense that the Spanish were then like, oh, who can we just pay a bunch of money to go do random shit for us? somebody from Genoa sorry anyone from Genoa listening to this we're sure it's a really nice place now all the people it's not us it's Dante it does kind of suck that like what if your town was just like really particularly dissed in like this great well hasn't he dissed like every town like he's including Florence he's just Florence he's just Genoa he just Ravenna yeah, okay, I guess he's being, he's being, he's equally, like, he's, he's insulting everyone, so maybe it's okay. Totally. Except for Beatrice, he thinks she's cool. Oh, he loves we her. We think. He <laughs> loves her. He loves her. Wow, yeah. we're at the end of Canto 33, I don't know. Do I know, but Elaine, more? we only recorded half the Canto this time. Do we have to do Canto 34? No. Well, no, we do obviously have to do it, but not today because I need to prepare. I'm not ready. I'm not like, I I can't believe we've read like almost the entire Inferno. This is so emotional. I know. I want to put together my whole diagram and scan it and send it to you so you can reflect on all of our amazing memories and we can insert ourselves as sinners. Maybe what we should do is um, end this podcast now and then we should talk about our art project. Yeah, okay, listeners, we're making an art project because we're so interesting and fun. (laughs) Bye. (laughs) Bye.